NFL Week 13 upon us. And Chris, I know we're working through some technical difficulties today, but kind of like these NFL teams will be breaking down. Come game time, got to roll with the resources available. Glad to have you on board today. Yeah, there's a permanent cloud over my head giving me constant problems. I feel like uh, being Jared Goff and just pretending I'm hurt so I don't have to play. Uh, just too many, too many electronic issues. I'm, I'm lost in space today, so we're going to be winging it. <laughs> hey, I think it's just a normal Friday for you, Chris. There's, there's always an issue. Then we come on the show and you're absolutely fine. So I'm sure it's going to be that way again. So we'll be good. <laughs> yeah, hopefully technology will abide. And uh, let's just kick things off. Well, we've got the three of us on a good connection and start the show as we do with an overview of our records for the season to date. And Scott, on the heels of a strong week 12, the leader of the pack right now, uh, we can see at the top of this graphic, Chris and I, both at 500, not so great when you factor in the VIG, so we'll certainly look to improve on that moving forward the best we can. Scott at 21 and 18. And on that note, let's look to uh, hopefully improve on these. So when we revisit the records next week, uh, hopefully we're all uh, more heavy in the win column. We've got. I'm ready uh, to go on a heater, man. I'm ready to go on a heater. Last year, I finished 29 and 10 from week 13 on, and I, I, I aim to duplicate that again. Let's do it. Hey, I'm, I'm here to ride that wave with you, so we'll get to it. And if you're with us on YouTube, quick reminder to go ahead and give this video a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, jump in that chat as we work our way down the week 13 card. Let us know what you think. And guys, on that note, let's dive in. Um, a quick reminder to the audience on Tuesday, we did get to a few of these Sunday games. You can check out our Tuesday show for Chargers, Bengals, and Broncos, Chiefs. Uh, friendly reminder if you missed it, Chris on the Bengals minus three and the Broncos plus 10. I've since joined Chris on Denver plus 10, our second straight week being aligned backing the Broncos. And Chris, you've also added Cincy over 50 and a half recently. Um, any quick thoughts on the over in that game with Cincinnati hosting the Chargers? I just think that uh, both teams are going to be able to move the ball with each other. Uh, I, uh, even though Cincinnati's rated uh, the sixth best defense, they haven't been playing the most difficult schedule. And, and the Chargers actually have since they're by been playing a more difficult schedule against tougher teams. So they're a little bit more battle tested, even though they're, they're losing every week or not performing up to standards. So uh I, you know, obviously the Chargers are at the bottom of the uh, the league in uh, in uh, defense, and they're pretty solid on offense. Uh, it just seems like a low number. It seems like uh, they they should be able to score that many. Yeah, well, we'll keep our uh, eyes set on that one with both the side and total in pocket for you. And on that note, guys, let's move on to games we haven't gotten to yet taking place on Sunday, and we're going to hit the ground running with some action. Let's talk Vikings-Lions. Minnesota currently a 7.5-point road favorite with reduced juice, total 46.5. Chris, uh, we're all going to be teasing the Vikings. Why don't you lay out why you like Minnesota in a teaser in this matchup? I, I just think Minnesota is uh, – it was a shame they had to play San Francisco last week and then one of these teams had to lose and go below 500. Uh Minnesota can overcome not having Cook, but I don't think the Lions are going to be able to overcome not having Swift. I mean, geez, who do they have left on that team? Uh, their their best wide receiver is somebody that another team cut uh, like a month ago. So uh, they sign somebody uh, and he immediately becomes their best receiver. Um, 
I, I just think that uh, the the Minnesota defense has been doing better. Uh, they were dead last last year, and they are middle of the pack this year, which is a huge improvement. And they're still a top five offense on my rankings this year, uh, believe it or not. So uh, they should be able to move the ball. The last time they played each other, uh, they had that uh, crazy game where Minnesota was lucky to come away with the win. So they're going to remember that. They're going to come in and play hard uh, from the uh, from the beginning against Detroit. They don't want to put themselves in that same position. And if they lose, they are done. They're Tostitos. So it's do or die. Uh, I think uh, I, I probably would consider laying seven. Uh, my metrics say to lay the seven uh, with the current lines right now. Uh, just to have a play in the game, I, I'm, I'm using a teaser with uh, Arizona, I believe. Yeah, and we'll get to that game in just a couple minutes here. I am also teasing the Vikings, and as you touched on, a tough loss last week. One of my big takeaways just moving forward as we think about games throughout the rest of the season, non-fantasy injuries sometimes get a lagging market response, and eventually that number did move on the Niners, but when we recorded on Wednesday, the minus three stuck around for a bit. It seemed like later in the week, the minus fours popped up, even though we knew pretty much the extent of the Vikings defensive issues as early as Wednesday morning. So something to keep in mind, of course, when we have a marquee player, you know, people have in their fantasy leagues like Dalvin Cook, that does get pretty quickly baked into the number as we're seeing in this case. But with the Vikings, I like that they've led by at least seven points every game this season. And I'm not sure if they get up by at least a touchdown in this one. The Lions are the best equipped to make a serious comeback. And the uh, professional better, Tommy the Hitman, I heard him mention on a podcast, I believe the Vikings, the 27th team in NFL history to lead by at least a touchdown each game through 11 games in a season. Minnesota, the first of those 27 teams not to have a winning record when accomplishing that. So I think the Vikings quite a bit better than their record suggests right now. And I think we'll start to see that get reflected in coming weeks, starting as soon as this Sunday. Scott, um, I believe you are teasing Minnesota. Do you also have them in a team total? Uh, yeah, we've got Minnesota uh, teased and in a team total over 27 and a half points. I, you know, when I look at this, like in a lot of matchups I look at, I try to kind of envision it. Uh, look at it visually, what's going to play out, and then you hope that the numbers support that. So we look here, Minnesota, number two in protecting uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, Detroit, number 29 in pressure rate. So it tells me Detroit's probably not putting pressure on Kirk Cousins. He should be able to throw the ball here. Other side of it, Detroit, number 22 in protecting uh, Jared Goff. The Vikings, number three in pressure rate. We've, we've talked about this for a number of weeks with Griffin and Hunter out. They've lost some of that pressure but they still seem to be putting pressure. So uh, they're probably going to continue to put pressure on Jared Goff as well. And then, uh, you know, just from a team total standpoint and being able to score points, Vikings number four in big pass plays of 20 yards or more, Detroit number 30 and giving them up. So Minnesota should be able to throw the ball here. Detroit's been okay against defending the run. So uh, I could see Minnesota even going to more throwing the ball. Delvin Cook probably not playing. We talked about it on Tuesday. Uh, Madison replacing him. He's a very, very capable replacement, but I could see them throwing the ball here. Uh, and then kind of just to support the team total here, the last three years with Kirk Cousins coming to Detroit, the Vikings have scored 37, 42, and 27. So they're scoring here in Detroit. Since Cousin got to Minnesota, which I think was 2018, they've scored 27 or more in all eight games on the road as a favorite against teams that finished the season at 500 or below. So in other words, they've been deemed to be the favorite, the superior team, 
against teams who certainly are not very good and end up not being very good. And Minnesota seems to take care of business in that. They're actually 6-2 and two against the spread, 7-0-1 straight up. So they're winning the games, just getting back to kind of the teaser standpoint. Uh, and then we mentioned this last week, the Lions 0-17 now straight up. Their last 17 games as a home dog. That last win came at the beginning of the year in 2019 against the Rams. Maybe that was week two. The only concern I have here from a Viking standpoint in terms of laying the seven, which is why I like the teaser a little bit better. As I mentioned, they're already without Hunter and, and Everson Griffith on the defensive line. Uh, Patrick Peterson, goes, the cornerback, goes back on the COVID list or is on the COVID list. I can't remember if he was on COVID before or not. He probably misses this game. Uh, Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, their two best linebackers, also not practicing. So I don't know what we're going to get defensively from the Vikings in this game. Um, so just trying to be a little careful there. And, and last thing here, Detroit scored 19 or less now in 10 straight games, including allowing 34 at home here to Cincinnati, 44 here to Philadelphia. I think getting over the 27 and a half in Minnesota basically being asked to win the game uh, are pretty good wagers. Yeah, yeah, if I don't play that minus seven, I'm going to look to do some sort of a what I spoke about on the last show is is use Minnesota into uh, a, a play later and later on in the day possibly, and, and and kind of marry those two plays together uh, with a multi-purpose parlay or teaser. Yeah, and one of those games you could pair the Vikings with uh, happening at the same time from one big road favorite to another, Arizona at Chicago. Cardinals currently seven and a half point favorites taking on the Bears. We've got a total in that one of 43 and a half. And at BetUS, actually, we see we see the number here is nine at plus 105 for Arizona. So perhaps a bit of teaser protection. Um, Scott, what are you looking for in this matchup as it pertains to a possible pairing with that Vikings game we just broke down? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm teasing Arizona, obviously, um, you know, and, and, you know, this line may come down um, at BetUS as well uh, to put it in a better teaser-friendly standpoint. But uh, nonetheless, e even six and a half points here could work. Um, the Bears are banged up here. We know Khalil Mack is out for the year. Um, and they're already uh, possibly also going to miss Akeem Hicks, who's missed a number of games. Now it looks like their, their linebacker, Rokeen Smith, who's a very good linebacker for them, is going to be out as well. And then on the other side for Arizona, they're finally getting help. Healthy. It looks like Murray and Hopkins are going to be back. Um, I just don't see the Vikings being able to win this game. Um, and I, I just think it's a really bad matchup for this Chicago team. And the Arizona defense has kind of been sneakily good, I think, this year for the most part. So I don't see the Bears being able to score a lot of points in this game. Uh, I make the number here about 10. So we've got a little bit of value with Arizona as well. Uh, so I think using them in a teaser looks like could be some wind uh, in this game as well. Uh, just don't one other thing. Uh, Arizona 4-0-1 to the under uh, as a road favorite since uh, the beginning of last year. This total's been bet down, though, because of the win, so I don't know that there's value in betting the under anymore. Maybe a Chicago team total under, but uh, I think the safe play here is Arizona um, on a teaser just to win the game, basically. Yeah, I'm with you there, and I will be pairing the Cardinals with a team other than the Vikings, so a couple teasers will round out over the course of the show. You covered most of the handicap for me, so I'll keep it quick. I think those Bears injuries on both sides of the ball may loom large, and if and when we get the confirmation Murray and Hopkins going to be a go, this line may come much closer to double digits, so getting the chance now to cross down through the 7-3, and three, a valuable angle for me to get in play on the Cardinals. Chris, how do you like this one as far as a possible pairing partner with that Vikings game we just broke down? 
Well, like Scott said, uh, I have uh, this. This is supposed to be a double-digit game. Um, Chicago's the third worst team in the league in my ratings, and uh, Arizona obviously is a top-tier team. Um, when I'm looking at recent progress, though, it's a little disheartening. Uh, uh, it takes away a little bit of the confidence uh, that they're kind of similar, believe it or not. Chicago's been middle of the road uh, over the last five weeks, uh, kind of holding their own, so to speak. They're not getting worse. They're not getting better, whereas Arizona is actually uh, uh, not even been doing as well. Uh, so they've been slipping. But we know what the reasons are with all the injuries and such. So. Uh, I, I didn't, they say Hopkins is going to play. I'm not even sh convinced he's going to play. I think he might even just go through the motion, so to speak. Uh, cause, uh, it originally it was thought that he might even sit, uh, again. So, but they, they're supposed to win this game, uh, by, you know, at least a touchdown. So putting him in a teaser, I, I'm really not uh, I don't like to marry two teams that are going to stick together automatically. I like to do the multi-purpose uh, teasers, but in this situation, Minnesota and Arizona are supposed to win those games. I mean, if they don't, I don't know what to say because the the both of those teams are supposed to be double-digit favorites. And when you talk about multi-purpose teasers, uh, you are basically looking for staggered start time. So once you know the outcome of one leg, you have some flexibility with that second leg. Uh, is that correct for the audience that might not be too familiar with that concept yet? Yeah, right. I mean, you get in a situation where you don't want to lay seven and a half on Minnesota uh, or you don't want to lay the seven, put them on the front end of a parlay or a teaser into another team that starts at a different time. And that money that you would have laid at the good line on the Minnesota, well, you were going to play that anyway. So you, you, you're, that's a front-end result, and you can take action on the second result uh, if you lose the front end. Uh, and if you're parlaying them, then you're going to get paid at a higher price, and you can bet less on that second game, or you're going to get an extra six points on the second game. So it's, uh, it, it's interesting, and you use that in hedging purposes also. Yeah, well, a couple teaser options to get us going for week 13. And Scott, you touched on some possible adverse conditions in Chicago. Not going to be a factor in our next game. Tampa Bay taking on Atlanta indoors. The Bucks laying 11, um, total at 50 and a half at BetUS. And you're eyeing a team total in this one, Scott. Yeah, I like Tampa Bay over the team total of 31. Um, perfect day and... Is this one's kind of playing out like the Minnesota one here? Tampa Bay, best in the league in uh, protecting Tom Brady. Atlanta, number 31 in pressure rate. Again, that translates to Tampa Bay should have time to throw the ball. Tampa Bay, very good running the ball. They're going to face an Atlanta run defense as number 29 in run defense. Uh, so they're going to they're going to be able to move the ball uh, in both facets. Uh, and then uh, from a pass offense, kind of going along with the sack and protection, uh, they're number three in pass offense against an Atlanta defense that's number 26. Um, and Atlanta, they're horrible running the ball. Anyway, number 30, it probably won't even get there behind anyway, uh, but they're going to face a Tampa Bay defense that's top five in run defense. It's going to make it more difficult, obviously, for Atlanta as well, which is why we have a large spread. Uh, but also with Tom Brady, since he got to Tampa Bay and as a road favorite playing indoors, so perfect conditions, we saw that last week at Indianapolis as well. Uh, they've, and, and as a road favorite, 
should say, of three or more. Uh, Tampa Bay has scored 27 or more in all five games, and they've averaged 38 points uh, in those games. So they are scoring points in perfect conditions. Um, they scored 45 against Atlanta earlier this year. Yes, there were some defensive scores in that game, um, but uh, if, if pressed to do so, they would have uh, scored more in offense as well. They obviously didn't need to. Uh, so I see Tampa Bay being able to score here. Uh, since Brady got there, they've scored 48, 44, and 31 against Atlanta, 31-27 here last year. If you remember that game, I believe they're behind pretty bad at halftime and then completely crushed Atlanta in the second half. Ended up winning the game only by four, 31-27. Uh, but I see a, a fairly decent path for them to get to 31 points here. I make the number actually Tampa favor by about 15, make the total about 51. Um, so I think I think it's a very good play on Tampa over the team total of 31. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good way to look at attacking this game. Nothing for me on the cider total at the moment. I, I see this as two teams that were pretty fortunate last week when we look at recent scoreboard results. Tampa Bay getting a pretty fortunate cover, going plus two in turnovers, and Leonard Fournette again turning what looked like a push on the three uh, to a cover for Tampa with a touchdown. And then Atlanta and Jacksonville, that game looked pretty evenly played when we look at a lot of the metrics. The Falcons were helped out by winning the turnover battle and going three for three in the red zone compared to just one for three for the Jags. So not overly impressed by either team, uh, despite some positive scoreboard results last week. Chris, what are you looking for in this big NFC South showdown? Well, another thing to point out, uh, there's a, quite a difference in the way Tampa Bay is performing at home versus away. Uh, their, uh, uh, their defense isn't as good on the road. They're allowing almost twice the yards per play on defense, I believe. And, uh, you know, just something to be concerned with there. And they, they kind of, uh, I believe I saw something where they're kind of sputtering a, a little bit offensively. But looking at the scores, it doesn't look like that. Uh, I've been eyeing this total all week long. I know there's a lot of sharp people that have been talking about it, and, and it makes sense. And, and I don't know, I don't know why it's so low because they should. Uh, it it just doesn't make any sense. They've been scoring, uh, you know, in the 70s uh, in the you know in these matchups uh, in previous games. So, um, I, I'm I don't have an official play on this game right now. We we, we know what these teams are about. Uh, Atlanta is like the dead fish on the sidewalk that occasionally flips its flipper. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Tampa Bay is it does not is not working on all cylinders. And, and did I see Antonio Brown is suspended three more games? So uh, they've got their issues. Uh, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay is not the type of team that's just going to put the pedal to the metal necessarily. They're not like Kansas City that just lets people hang around either. So um, I like what Scott said. I like team total over. I like the total. I'm not sure I'm going to be betting them, though. I do agree with those sides, though. Yeah, well, speaking of dead fish, as you referenced with Atlanta, let's go to Houston for the next game. The Colts, a double-digit road favorite. Indy laying 10 total 45 and a half and Chris this is our fourth straight heavy road favorite to kick off the show and we're not done yet but for the Colts it's maybe not quite enough having them laying the 10. Yeah I, I took uh, Indianapolis earlier in the week at under 10. Uh, it's 10 now and I still like it now. I, I show that this line should be considerably higher. Um, 
Houston's been doing some things right. They've been kind of middle of the road, kind of scraping by. Uh, but they're not going to be able to stop uh, Indianapolis. Indianapolis is going to run up and down the field on these guys. And I, I just don't see, you know, the Colts don't have the best defense, but I, I don't see Houston being able to really keep up with what uh, the Houston defense is going to be giving up to the Colts. So I, on a rare occurrence, I'm laying the double digits on Indianapolis. There's just too much of a difference in Indianapolis is, uh, you know, they've got to put the pedal to the metal uh, at this point. Uh, a lot of people want to see the Colts in the playoffs because they're a dark horse to win it all. If they get in there, nobody wants to play the Colts. Trust me, nobody, because they are built to beat you up and they can play outside, inside. It doesn't matter. Yeah, somebody might want to equip that line and hold on to it. And in, uh, in six or seven weeks, we can see just how strong the Colts are looking. I definitely think this week they fortify those playoff chances. Um, full disclosure, I was able to tease Indy earlier in the week when they were just laying eight and a half. So if that comes back, I would certainly love them as a teaser candidate. But they're probably not coming back. It's probably going the other way, if anything, as you touched on, Chris. And one thing that gives me pause when it comes to laying the points with the Colts, um, something I gleaned from a conversation with professional better Fabian Summer last week, he noted that entering that game, the Colts were number one in EPA differential off of turnovers, net positive of 66.7 points on the season. And for context, the number two team in the league entering last week was Minnesota, plus 37.9 points. So Indy, almost twice as many points off turnovers uh, when we look at EPA than the next best team in the league. That's just a massive gap. And we saw the pendulum swing on them last week, turning the ball over five times, going a net minus two in turnovers, and that loss to the Bucks. So um, I, I like the Colts to win here. I'm not sure about them uh, rolling the Texans by too much if their turnover luck doesn't continue the way we've seen throughout much of the season. But of course, if they build a big lead, their run game with Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line could keep things pretty comfortable down the stretch. So certainly feeling good about the Colts' odds of at least winning this one outright. Scott, what are you looking for in this matchup? Yeah, I've got nothing right now, Matt. But I, you know, to, to your guys' point, to Chris's point, I make the line about 12 here. So a little bit of value still with Indianapolis. You know, I've been following the Houston team for a while now. Had them at Miami. That didn't work out. Had them against Tennessee. That worked out. Uh, it, it's a little bit discouraging, though. I mean, their offensive line is not not very good. They're kind of getting pounded on the offensive line. Uh, it's making life difficult for Tyrod Taylor. I mean, they could only score 17 points. I believe it was last week against uh, the hapless Jets who uh, give up points to everybody, basically. Um, so I agree with Chris here. Indy should roll here. You know, and I'm kind of taking a look at it. I was just taking a look at it as you guys were talking. I've got Indy scoring about 28 and a half points in this game. The team total is 27 and a half. I feel a little square going over all these team totals here, but uh, high totals, but you know, you look back and maybe some of this has been the turnover luck, and you, you made a very good point with that, Matt. But um, India scored 31, 41, uh, 23 against Jacksonville, uh, 45, 31, 30, 31. The last time they played Houston here, they are scoring points here. Um, they're probably going to get some short fields as well. Uh, yes, turnover luck could could you know hurt them again, but they're not really playing a team that's probably as ample to uh, be able to create that turnover luck like a Tampa Bay. So no play for me, but I would definitely lean on the team total over here. Uh, and I may get involved before the game gets going on Sunday. 
And Scott, when we're looking at these team totals, how much do you weigh something like across much of the league as we get into December and January, the weather potentially a factor? This one, it doesn't matter so much. We're indoors. I know Chris said the Colts are built to play in any conditions, but certainly pristine conditions can't hurt their team total prospects. And on the other side of the coin, this is a division opponent with some familiarity. So when you look at the elements versus the division rematch angle, do any of those two factors kind of outweigh the other? Uh, well, I think elements are huge, right? So, and, you know, if you think back of what we've got so far, Minnesota playing inside, Tampa playing inside, and, you know, if I would pull the trigger on Indianapolis playing inside. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that you know what you're getting there. Um, like that Arizona game, I don't think I want to touch that, right? The elements are going to be there. Um, and who knows what's going to happen there. So I think elements are everything. Uh, familiarity, yeah, that definitely matters here. Um, I just don't know if Houston can really do anything about it. You know, that that's that's the issue there. And and I, like I said, I've been following Houston for a while now uh, this year pretty closely, bet on them a few times. Um, I, I just I find a lot of issues with their offensive line and whatnot. I, it just seems to me Indy is going to cause problems here. And Indy needs to win. Uh, I just I don't see them just, you know, letting off the uh, take their foot off the gas pedal here. Uh, eventually, yes, they will, because they're going to run the ball probably if they got a big lead. But, um, you know, Frank, that's not Frank Wright's mentality. So they're going to get up pretty quickly, hopefully. Um, and then they might coast a little bit. But I would think they're going to get a fair amount of points before they get to that point. Yeah, well, moving on from two teams familiar with one another to a road team that's oddly familiar with the venue it's going to be in this week. The Eagles playing at MetLife for the second Sunday in a row, taking on the Jets this time, laying seven at even money as a road favorite, and that total 45. Chris, when you look at a team like Philly playing in the same stadium for the second week in a row, you know, the home team in this game can't even say that. Does that matter at all to you in terms of your outlook on this game? Well, did they stay there? Well, they're so close to their home anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, familiarity is always uh, excellent for the teams, and uh, uh, it can only help them in that situation. I, I haven't been much of a believer in Philadelphia this season and uh, paid a little bit of a price on it. Uh, um, I was surprised, though, that the the line that I had literally came dead nuts at like 6.75 on this. So I was actually grateful that I wasn't going to play this game because um, I, I, I think the Jets have some spunk. Um, they're, they're not dead in the water, so to speak. They're, they're making some effort. And uh, um, it, it's something to take note of. I, they're, 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 they're just not they're, they're making enough effort that makes them dangerous and uh some way somehow they're they're, they're hanging around hanging around so and uh, philadelphia to lay seven or six and a half uh, on the road what have they done to show that they are capable of doing that so uh happy to sit this one out yeah, and I'm going to be on the sidelines with you. I could only lean the Eagles' way after they went minus four in turnovers last week and still should have won that game. They were just a couple of costly drops away. So um, I think that was one of the more misleading scoreboard results. But with this game at seven, uh, I can't make the play on Philly. And honestly, I'm kind of glad it's just a lean. Scott, considering that you would be leaning the other way, if anything. Yeah, I'm just having problems pulling the trigger, so I don't know if I will. But I... I've got Philly about a four. I've got the total of about 40 and a half points. So I'm leaning Jets and under. I don't really trust Zach Wilson. And the reason right now I'm not playing either one of those, 
Jets last in the league and giving up big pass plays, 20 yards or more. They're bottom four in pass defense. It's just hard for me to support a team knowing that they just don't play defense real well. They do put some pressure on the quarterback. Their defensive line's pretty good. Um, And the Jets are, uh, ironically, number six in run offense, and Philly number 20 in in giving up the run run defense for me. So Jets might be able to move the ball a little bit that way. Um, But I'm not at a point where I can play yet, but I do lean Jets, and I lean under in this game. Well, the Chargers Moving. is worse than the Jets, believe it or not. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that materializes over the next few weeks, but I uh, can't stick up for the Chargers defense right now as much as I would like to. Uh, well, let's move on, guys, from one New York team playing at home to the other New York team playing on the road this week. The Giants traveling down to Miami, where the Dolphins now laying four and a half points at home, total 41. Scott, we've seen some line movement surrounding the Giants quarterback situation. So overall, as we stand right now, how do you look at this matchup? Uh, I I like Miami, Matt, just as a team and what they're doing right now. And I know some of these games they've played have not been against great teams, but the Giants are just another one of those teams that aren't great teams. So uh, Giants 30th in the league in pressure rate, Miami number seven in, in pressure rate themselves. Uh, so they should put some pressure on what will now be Mike Glennon. Looks like Daniel Jones is out. Um, Giants can't really run the ball, and Miami has stopped the run pretty well. Uh, Giants passing offense with Tua in there has actually been pretty good. Uh, and the Giants are probably middle of the road in pass defense. Um, Giants pass offense not very good. Dolphins pass defense has been pretty good. Um, and, you know, this Miami team, again, they haven't played great teams, but the Giants fit this bill as well. Well, 17 or less in four straight games now. Um, and I just don't see the Giants offense really posing a big threat to this Miami defense as well. But I only make the line. Uh, I had it adjusted here. I think it's about maybe three and a half points I make it now. So um, with Daniel Jones tells, so I don't really have value here. I will say this. I kind of noticed this last week in doing some research. Tua is now 7-1 against the spread at home in his career with the Dolphins when he's played 40% or more in the snaps. So we know he's either got pulled in some games, so he's not playing well, or maybe got hurt. But when he's played the majority of the games at home there, his team's actually performed pretty well. Uh, the only loss was a two-point loss to Atlanta this year, uh, and they were a one-and-a-half-point dog. So uh, they've been pretty good in that role, uh, especially against these uh, inferior teams, if you will. So... I don't know. It's hard for me to say lean Miami because I don't quite see the value, but I, I think I would lean that way. Uh, I just think they're a better team right now than the Giants and Mike Glennon. It's about a one-point adjustment for me from Jones to Glennon, but Glennon really doesn't do much for me. Yeah, well, in the last game I mentioned possibly an unfortunate loss for the Eagles, and that would be a lucky win for the Giants if we look at the other side of that coin. So it's tough for me to look their way too hard right now, especially moving to a backup quarterback. But defensively, I feel like if they can take away the slants, I'm not sure what else Tua can do. I mean, if a defense brackets Waddle and takes away the easy stuff, I feel like that could put a pretty low ceiling on the Dolphins' offense. But I'm open to being proven wrong. I'd like to see Tua really thrive and stay healthy. So um, we'll see if he can keep up that hot run. And one thing that could continue to bode well for the Dolphins over the next few weeks, they're in the middle of a stretch. We touched on, I believe, a few weeks ago, just one road game between November 1st and the day after Christmas. And that road game is not even going to take them out of their time zone. So, Chris, do you see this team, uh, the Dolphins, not only beating up on bad teams recently, as Scott mentioned, but possibly using this favorable scheduling stretch as a springboard to maybe make a run at playoff contention in the AFC? 
Well, yeah, they've already made their case. They've won and covered four straight games. Uh, they're doing things well, and uh, their remaining schedule is favorable. They actually, uh, are they five and seven now? Uh, five and seven. They're live for a playoff spot, uh, and uh, probably it would come down to beating New England in the final game of the season. But uh, uh, nevertheless, they've got hope. So. Uh, you know, it's it's like a, the dog cornered in the corner. Uh, you know, they get tough. Um, my buddy said something funny. He said that Glennon, he's he's got a great deep ball. It's just too bad he throws it to the other team all the time. So <laughs> the I, my metrics lean pretty heavily toward the Giants here, and it's really really hard to handicap. Uh, this situation because who the hell's left on the Giants number one you've got the Miami on a roll uh you did see when this line kept on going up earlier in the week you saw you know significant money kept bringing it back down bringing it back down so uh you know just when you think teams are completely dead and 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 they have no hope and the other teams on a roll those are the games that kind of bite you and they and uh, I'm going to be looking the Giants way. I'm not sure I'm going to get on that. Uh, I respect what Miami is doing. I wrote them all all year long last year, and I, I, I miss it. Uh, but uh, I'm just not sure yet. Giants are nothing for me, though. Hey, by the way, uh, I didn't mention it, but kind of to your point, Chris, Giants 23-9 as a road dog since 2017. They got blown out, you know, the other night uh, against Tampa a couple weeks ago, but but they've been pretty competitive. They, they've showed up. So, Yeah, some intrigue for two teams with losing records. So that could be a pretty interesting game on Sunday in the early window. And that wraps up our look at the early window on Sunday. So we'll call a quick timeout reminding our YouTube audience, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, jump in that chat, all that good stuff. And on that note, we will carry on transitioning to the late window on Sunday Kicking that off with Washington traveling out west to take on the Raiders. Las Vegas currently a juicy one-point favorite, total 49. And Scott, I'll toss this to you in the form of a question from our live chat. Brian asking about the over possibly in this one, noting that Carr quietly leading the league and passing some garbage yards I know, but in their wins they average over 30-plus points, and the losses they average giving up 30-plus Scott, with you uh, having a, a good feel on totals week in and week out, what do you think of a possible look toward the over in this one? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to say a whole bunch of stuff here. It's going to probably conflict each uh, what I'm saying here, so I apologize for that. But I think it's important just to get the information out there and then do what you want with it. So the first things I would note, Deshaun Jackson, uh, calf issue. He says it's no big deal. We'll see. I've hurt my calf before, um, you know, and then thought I was okay and come back and you take one swing in a batter's box and try to get out of the batter's box and you're gone again. So we'll, who knows what's really going on there. Uh, Darren Waller, tight end. Uh, I think there's a good chance he doesn't play. So now you got to start looking at this uh, Raiders offense and what can they do if both those guys don't play. Uh, so that's the first issue. Uh, but to kind of support that over a little bit, and especially if they play, this Washington pass defense is not very good. They're number 30 by my metrics. Uh, defending the pass, so the Raiders could have some success there. And obviously the Raiders can give up some points. And I'm just looking at my notes here to kind of speak to that. Vegas has scored 27 or more points in four of the five games they've been favored at home since they went into this new stadium. Um, so they're to that point, they're obviously scoring. They're, they are giving up points as well. 
all that said, uh, I apologize for being long-winded here, but I made the number like 44. And I would like to go under in this game, especially if Deshaun Jackson and Waller are out uh, and we can stay at 49 and I can get that before it would move down. But for all those points that the listener said, um, it just worries me. And I don't like the Washington uh, pass defense. So I just get worried. I don't know if I'm comfortable taking the under. Um, but if Jackson and Waller are out, I probably would uh, look under, especially if I can get 49. Yeah, and one follow-up for you, uh, looking at it through the lens of Brian's question. Earlier, I made a point with that Vikings game last week. Some of the non-fantasy position players ruled out the market was slow to respond. When we've got guys like Waller and Jackson missing, I think the market would respond more quickly. So is this a case where if you were inclined to play the over, Scott, I know you're not necessarily looking that way, but in Brian's position, maybe we would advise waiting, thinking the market crashes this total down a bit with some Waller and Jackson news, and you might be able to get a better number if you do indeed want to pull that trigger? Yeah, I think so. And I'll just point out one other thing, and I'll, I'll answer that. Uh, one of the reasons I'm kind of waiting this game, because I would I would look at Washington maybe in a teaser here too, um, but they've got a lot of injuries here. Safety landing Collins, kind of speaking to the over, he could be out. Uh, one of their corners could be out. And then they've also got a whole bunch of injuries on the offensive line that have to get settled as well. But, uh, yeah, I would wait because I think the total right now at 49, that's factored in right now, I think, to a degree, at least, assuming that Waller possibly would play. Uh, and Desha this Deshaun Jackson stuff just came up the other day. Um, so um, you have to you know, be prepared to jump on it. I mean, I think the total could move a little bit if, if Waller's announced that he's going to play and Jackson. But um, I think you can wait a little bit on that. I don't think it's moving tremendously if we find out those two are playing. Yeah, well, a lot of nuance looking at it through multiple directions like you did. For that reason, I'll be sidestepping the total, but my play here is using Washington in a teaser, pairing them with Arizona. And with these BetUS lines, Washington getting plus one, Arizona laying nine, it's going to take a six and a half point teaser to take both of those teams through three and seven, in this case, taking Washington up to plus seven and a half. And to get six and a half points in a teaser, probably going to cost minus 130. And that's the ceiling for what I'd be willing to pay. I do think it's okay in this case. I like both of these teams a lot as teaser fits. But I would consider also shopping around. You can probably find um, some possible six-point teasers involving these two teams only laying minus 120. And when I look at this game, one of my first thoughts with the Raiders last week Guys, in, in Dallas, was it Thanksgiving Day or was it Flag Day? Because I believe there were 28 penalties in that game for more than 275 yards. And it ended up actually favoring the road team, Las Vegas, going plus 56 in penalty yards and plus three in first downs from penalties. Obviously, a big pass interference swinging things in overtime. I think the Raiders uh, can't bank on getting that fortunate with flags week in and week out. So if anything, maybe that neutralizes this week. Uh, but for Washington, one thing I like a lot with them, they seem like they might be immune to yards per play in the sense that they've got three straight wins and covers despite coming in negative in yards per play. I think that might have a lot to do with the fact that they're 35 minutes plus in time of possession each of those three games out of their bye. So their offense not getting the big chunk plays, but they're just efficient enough with a pretty physical ground game and some short to intermediate passes with Heineke that I think just staying on the field, you know, their offense has been humming and their defense has been staying relatively fresh. So that has me liking Washington in a teaser here. Chris, what are you looking for with Washington taking on the Raiders on Sunday? 
Well, you, you touched on it. Uh, what it really boils down to is Washington has been, you know, using ball control. I mean, they, they're likely to have a seven to nine minute drive in this game and chew up a half a quarter. Um, and then I look at it. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Waller's been out for days. Uh, I, I don't think he has a chance of playing. Uh, yeah, I, he's not practicing, but I, it hasn't been announced yet. But I agree. <laughs> I thought he was, he was announced out, but uh, regardless, uh, you know, the, the Raiders offense is sputtering. Uh, I know they did okay in that penalty ridden game that fell only 26 yards short of the all-time record for penalty footage, uh, like a 40-year. Uh, oh, that, that was a record from 1976. The two expansion teams played each other, Seattle and Tampa Bay. <laughs> record and they three. didn't even know the rules, so this was crazy. <laughs> I think there was 38 flags in that game, but uh, 310 yards on that uh, penalties in that game, uh, the incompetent expansion teams. I, I don't know. The, the Raiders did it with smoke and mirrors against the Dallas defense. Uh, uh, you know, you, you're taking out things from the equation. The head coach said, we're going to focus on our running game. So if Washington's using ball control and the Raiders want to focus on their running game, well, it's going to be kind of hard to get over 50 points because neither one of the teams are really that efficient. They're going to have stalled drives and, uh, the, you know, they're going to need some turnover luck to, uh, to, to, to get some extra points. Yeah, well, it sounds like possibly a lean for you there, Chris. Oh, Scott, jump back in here. Uh, just two things, uh, Matt. You, you'd mentioned the six and a half point teaser. I'm just looking at my chart here, um, and obviously minus 130. I think typically we would probably not support that, but uh, a one point road dog, six and a half up to seven and a half, has historically, both long term and short term, covered the 130 price. So the 130 price is still an okay price at that teaser level uh, for that for that situation. And the other thing I looked at, kind of just looking at this teaser as well. Um, the Redskins have been a very competitive team as a road dog of four points or less, meaning that, you know, they're going on the road and they're playing a team that's not vastly superior than them. And since Rivera got there, they're four and one against the spread uh, as road dogs of less than four points. Um, and they've lost the games that they've lost uh, straight up. They've all lost them all by three points or less, or they've won the game straight up. So they've been extremely competitive at this type of level of line, uh, which kind of predicts what their opponent is really all about. So I would expect them to be competitive in this game as well. Nice. Well, music to my ears. Finger crosses that that uh, plays out to plan on Sunday. And uh, music to the ears of football fans across much of the league. One of the best rivalries in the NFL next on tap for us. Baltimore traveling to Pittsburgh. The Ravens currently a four and a half point road favorite. Total in this one, we're looking at 44. And Chris, you got a side in this one. Tell us who you like. You know, it's hard to believe that uh, Baltimore's the number one seed right now. Do you, were you guys aware of that? No. Wow. <laughs> we'll see if Lamar can hold on to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, boy, uh, it, 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 they've just been so unimpressive lately. But uh, Pittsburgh has really been bad. Uh, you know, I don't think people realize, uh, you know, how bad Pittsburgh has been playing. And the, the metrics on this don't put these teams anywhere close. And I realize it's a divisional rivalry and you're supposed to automatically just take the points with the home team. There's something wrong with Pittsburgh. You know, when they're leaving Ben Roethlisberger in, in the fourth quarter in blowouts, 
why are they doing that? You know, nothing makes sense with this team. You know, they, 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 they just don't make sense this year. And uh, if Pittsburgh was, if Pittsburgh had something, they certainly would have done something by now over the last couple of games. And they've just come up shooting blanks, uh, sort of like Seattle. You know, people expected something to happen with Seattle. Nothing happened. So, um, I, I laid uh, four in this game, and, and I wouldn't bet it at four and a half right now. I would wait and see if you can get a four or lower. Um, but uh, I, I like Baltimore. And when you say you wouldn't bet four and a half right now, if this number doesn't move down to four and you've got to make the call right before kickoff, do you go ahead and lay the four and a half with Baltimore? Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, this – you know, these teams are more than a touchdown apart, even though uh, we've seen Baltimore, you know, it, it's really an awful situation because, you know, when you, you know, Pittsburgh looks so bad last year, usually you have, or last week, usually you had these teams bounce back strong, but I, they don't have anything to bounce back with. I don't think they really don't. Yeah. And this one, when I look at it, uh, I I'm kind of confused by how Baltimore won and covered last <laughs> Sunday night of, uh, I made, I guess, a plus EV move to go ahead and watch Christmas Vacation with my wife instead of Sunday Night Football. So that was a nice way to get in the holiday spirit and not have to sit through four Lamar Jackson interceptions. Again, the Ravens losing yards per play by almost a full yard and still covering that one against Cleveland. But Pittsburgh, not any more impressive last week. We can safely say that. They were dominated once again, and the scoreboard finally reflected it. Uh, you know, without Watt defensively, uh, a lot of questions. So not eager to back either team in this spot. So I'll go ahead and toss it over to Scott for your outlook on this one. Uh, you know, first of all, Matt, if, if Cleveland would have won that game last game last week, I think I would have also said uh, I'm confused on how they won the game as well. I mean, both those teams are just brutally bad. But um, I make I have some value here in Baltimore. I make them about a six and a half point favorite. Um, Pittsburgh, 29 running the ball. Uh, Baltimore number three, so they probably aren't going to be able to run the ball. Baltimore number 13 pass offense, Pittsburgh number 24 pass defense. Now, some of that uh, negativity towards their pass defense, you know, they've had games where they've missed Watt, Hayden, Fitzpatrick, the one game against the Chargers, but Hayden is probably not playing in this game. Watt's on COVID, I believe. He's probably not playing. That's that's not a good situation, and even though the Ravens are maybe more of a little bit run-oriented team, um, they're probably going to be able to take advantage of that. Pittsburgh's pass offense, number 23. This offense is, is not doing well at all. They're going to face a Baltimore pass defense, number seven. I don't see Pittsburgh being able to move the ball here. So I think there's some value on Baltimore. Um, I, I, you know, I looked this up. I mean, Pittsburgh is 5-0-1 against the spread as a home dog since 18, including 5-1 and straight up. The lone loss was to the Ravens by three. They played it competitive. But the, if, if Hayden and uh, Watt were playing in this game, Maybe I, I'm not well. I, I probably would have maybe a justifiable line at four and a half or four. I don't know that right. I'd play either side, but um, those are big, big, big losses for Pittsburgh, um, and this is just not a good situation for them. I agree so, with you 100. percent Without them in the lineup, I, I feel comfortable laying more than a field goal in this situation. I, I'll, I'll just add this too, and I don't know if Lamar Jackson and, and this offense is able to take advantage of it, but. That Charger game, I remember taking Justin Herbert over, I forget what it was, 275 passing yards or something. And the reason I did it, I went back and looked the games that Hayden uh, and Watt were out. And obviously they had Fitzpatrick out in that game as well. But Cincinnati, I believe it was Cincinnati, possibly, uh, definitely Carr. Um, 
The only times that, that the Steelers have given up like 275 plus passing yards this year is when those guys have missed games. So here we go again, right? Um, and again, it remains to be seen if Lamar Jackson can do that because that's not exactly what they do. But, you know, they, they can still throw the ball. Obviously, they have receivers. And um, so, yeah, it, it's just not a good situation for the Steelers. And as far as the side goes, Scott, I see on our sheet, you make this number Baltimore by 6.6. So that's that's basically a two-point edge, but still not quite enough to get you to play the Ravens against the spread, if I'm understanding correctly. Is there a point at which you would go ahead and get in play on Baltimore with Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, I hate to say it because I know it's not going there, but, you know, maybe at three or something. Uh, I'm probably wrong on this, um, but... You know, I've just got something ingrained in my mind that just says I shouldn't be laying four and a half at Pittsburgh with Baltimore. I don't love Baltimore's offense. I don't, you know, as Chris said, I mean, they don't look good sometimes, but here they are, top seed in the AFC. And it's just something about, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of people that just play numbers and, and they're done with it, right? Don't even try to make sense of it. And that's probably not a bad idea. Um, but, you know, in the NFL, I try to look at it a little bit uh, as well as just, what I know, and um, I'm probably making a mistake on this, but yeah, I'm just not getting involved. I, I guess I'll add this too. Ravens, you know, just looking it up, they're four, five, and one against the spread as a road favorite since the beginning of last year. So they have not been world beaters laying points on the road either. And they're, they're just a weird team for me. They, you know, we saw what they did at Miami, uh, which was nothing. Cleveland last, last week, it's just, it's hard for me to predict what they're going to do. Yeah, well, when in doubt, it's generally the more prudent thing to pass if you're on the fence on a game than forcing a play when we're factoring in the VIG. So uh, even if it's uh, maybe a mistake for a sample size of one, I think philosophically um, a pretty professional approach to that one. And we can move on. I guess if Baltimore-Pittsburgh is a big rivalry game, what's the opposite of a rivalry game? Because we've got the Jags and the Rams up next. The Rams laying 13, total 48. Scott, what are you looking for in this one? Uh, not a whole lot, Matt. I, uh, I made the number about 12 and a half. I made the total about 46 and a half. I, I kind of wanted to play the under in this game. Um, in, in Jacksonville, they've scored 19 or less in eight of their last 11 games. Uh, McFay, 5-1-1 one, one to the under as a double-digit double home favorite. So, you know, I, I, I've followed the Rams and bet the Rams in, in a fair amount of games since McFay got there as big favorites. They get the lead. Then they kind of take their foot off the gas. They run the ball, eat the clock, and, and next thing you know, the game's over. So I was trying to kind of prescribe to that and, and look for a reason to play that. Probably not just enough, not quite enough value here to play the under for me. Um, and the other thing I worry about, they Rams have lost, what, two or three games? Three games in a row, I believe, right? So I, I worry a little bit that this is going to be their get-right game and just get a good feeling. Beckham, you know, may not play in this game. I mean, that, that could play into this a little bit in terms of how explosive they can be on offense. And Jacksonville does a, apply a little bit of pressure, you know, from the offense, uh, defensive line. So maybe they could make life a little bit miserable. Jacksonville runs the ball fairly well. Rams aren't great defending the run. Maybe, you know, from that standpoint, they can uh, slow the game down a little bit. Uh, but I just worry about the Rams maybe trying to get right. And the Rams get 38 points. It doesn't take a whole lot to put this thing over the total. Yeah, I don't have too much on this one either. It, definitely not as much conviction in a lean on the total, so I'll keep it pretty quick then get it over to Chris. One thing that stood out for me looking at the Rams box score last week, they won yards per play against the Packers, but I think that's pretty misleading. A lot of garbage time production after Green Bay took a commanding lead. 
And I do want to defend the Rams' defense as far as that equation goes, however, because Green Bay, you see 36 points, and it sounds like an indictment on the Rams' defense. But the special teams and offense for the Rams uh, did not do that defense any favors. They were uh, almost equally complicit in that Green Bay scoreboard output. So we'll see if uh, not just the offense, but the defense can get right against the Jags. As far as things go for that offense, Stafford, Chris, you were well ahead of the curve on this one. It hasn't been very widely reported, but between some back and other ailments, uh, just not 100% or anywhere near it by the look of things right now. Scott, you mentioned Beckham possibly not going. Also, Daryl Henderson not practicing through Thursday, so we'll have to monitor his status pretty closely. Um, I think that might be more impactful than Beckham potentially if he's unable to go or if he's hampered. Um, so just a, a lot to still kind of wait and see. Uh, with the Jags, I mentioned it when we broke down the Tampa Bay-Atlanta game. Jacksonville played the Falcons pretty evenly last week. It was turnover and red zone variance that did them in. Um, so if they can you know, get any favorable regression in that sense, maybe they hang with the Rams. So um, just not too sure what to expect here. Chris, do you have any sort of inkling as to what might transpire between the Jags and Rams at SoFi Stadium come Sunday? Well, I'm just happy that uh, Stafford is still helping out the Lions because uh... – with these three losses in a row, the Lions' number one, uh, their second number one draft pick next year, which is the Rams, is getting better uh, seeding. So hopefully he keeps it up. But uh, I think the Rams will take care of business in this game. Here's an interesting uh, uh, chart that I saw. Since 2017, when McVay took over, weeks one through eight, he's in EPA, the Rams are second. In drop back EPA, their second rush success rate we uh second also weeks nine onward those same three stats 19th 21st and 12th so we have a history of teams figuring out whatever the soup du jour was that he cooked up in the off season and they figure out what what he's doing with his offense and slow it down and we're seeing that it's not all stafford so uh, just something to keep an eye on. My numbers came out at exactly 11. I didn't want to have a piece of, of this one. Uh, if, uh, if I had to lean somewhere, I'd probably take the Jacksonville route. But boy, did, uh, did uh, he look bad last year, last week at uh, quarterback uh, at Jacksonville. Just awful. Yeah. Yeah, well, not too much to make of this one at the moment, but I think we've all got some pretty strong thoughts on this next game involving two of the Rams' NFC West rivals. That would be San Francisco heading to Seattle as a three-and-a-half-point road favorite at even money, total 46. Scott, why don't you kick us off and let us know who you like in Seattle on Sunday? Well, uh, I'm taking Seattle. Um <laughs> Seattle, yeah, I know, right? So, yeah, and there, you know, there's nothing I can sit here and say that uh, says, you know, hey, Seattle, I uh, should easily win this game. Whatever they've they've looked horrible. They've looked horrible. Um, but a, my numbers do support Seattle in this game, and part of the reason they're supporting them is Debo Samuel's out and Fred Warner's out. These are the two best players on both sides of the ball, and Debo Samuel is a huge, huge part of this offense. Um, whether it's the end of rounds or the receiving, I think he's over three yards per route run. He might be leading the league in yards per route run for a receiver. Um, and Jared, uh, or Jared Goff, uh, uh, Garoppolo, he needs players like this, I feel, to really efficient, efficiently operate this offense. 
Seattle's deep, and, and, and you know, to a point here, I'm trying to make a, a reason for Seattle. Uh, the, the short version of this, I'm just playing the number, and the number is there uh, partly because these guys are out, um, and my number support it. So I'm going to play the number. Uh, the recent body of work does not support Seattle. Their defense has played pretty well, though. Um, so, so, you know, maybe there's some hope from that standpoint, but. I'll, I'll keep it short because I can't defend Seattle other than my numbers are supporting it. And the 49ers are missing two, what I think are extremely important pieces on both sides of the ball uh, for this team. Fitting Freud and slip there with Jared Goff getting mixed in with Jimmy G. <laughs> and uh, I will say to uh, anybody watching this on YouTube, pay particularly close attention to the visual on Chris when Scott and I are talking, because Chris's facial expressions might be the most entertaining part of this show. Hopefully we're providing some good betting value as well. But uh, Chris, even silently on the left side, they're bringing plenty of entertainment value. And Scott, when you talk about this coming down to the number, I know, you know for a lot of pros, numbers, not teams, definitely the way to look at things. But this number might be where it is. Uh, probably not so much for how I bet, but definitely the way I'm seeing this game with Chris and what I know he's already bet. Both of us uh, definitely looking the Niners way. At three and a half, I can't quite endorse it. That's just a step too far for me. But I'd say if we see this back down to even minus three, minus 115, that's probably my price ceiling to go ahead and back the Niners. Full disclosure, I took them minus two and a half on Sunday. Uh, and I'm not mentioning that to brag about a number that is long gone. But I think there's an interesting note here about timing with some of these bets. What we had um, on Sunday when this line was sitting at two and a half was, you know, the Niners result and the Seahawks still hadn't played yet. They had the Monday night game. And if you kind of have a, a lean one way and the team that you're looking to play against the following week still has a Monday night game ahead of it, that team, you know, has to both look really good and stay healthy on Monday night to move the number against you in a significant way. The Seahawks didn't have any serious injury, but they certainly didn't look good, and that's partially why we've seen this line move now to the other side of three. So something to keep in mind if you're looking at a game for the next Sunday, and there's still one of those teams involved in a Monday nighter, uh, often getting an early jump against that team playing on Monday night could be pretty beneficial. But Scott, to your point, no Debo Samuel, no Fred Warner for the Niners could be the big fly in the ointment. One of my big factors here, also actually circling back to that Monday night angle, the Seahawks defense, uh, not only a short week traveling across the country, but Washington, we talked about being a ball control offense. Seattle's defense was on the field for 79 snaps, so a an extremely short week for them in this case. And I think their offensive output, when we look at the scoreboard, was quite misleading. They had an extra point return for two on a pretty fluky play that cost Washington its kicker. Uh, that definitely came into play later because the Seahawks, ended up getting a desperation drive that saw Wilson rack up perhaps the misleading stat line of the year. I mean, eight yards per pass, two touchdowns, no picks, quarterback rating greater than 110. Sounds pretty good, but if you watch that game, you probably come away with a different story on Wilson's performance. And one more note here for me on this game, uh, kind of, you know, icing on the cake for why I really like a look at the Niners. Uh, SH8 model, a great follow on Twitter, really uh, strong handicapper. He has the Niners as one of four teams in the NFL in the top 10, both offensively and defensively. Chris, I know you like the Niners. Uh, does that Niners well-balanced, you know, offensive and defense prowess have anything to do with your handicap in this one? I also surprisingly have them uh, in both uh, in the top 10 in both categories. Um, I, yeah, you know, this, this, the, the injuries to San Francisco, I, I don't like to see Samuel is very important, but, uh, uh, you know what, 
Wilson doesn't, there's something wrong with Wilson. You know, it, it's embarrassing at this point. Uh, uh, he's, he's a shell of himself. He came back too early from injury and sure, maybe, uh, you know, he comes to life at home this year, but they, have they won a game at home this year? They seem to lose every game at home. Um, uh, uh, they, they beat that very tough team, Jacksonville, 31 to seven. <laughs> oh, that's right. So they've got one win at home, but the the you know what it's it's pretty simple. I I I took them at minus two. So nan 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 nan. Still endorsing the three uh, and a half. Uh, and the book moved it to three after I bet it, which was funny. I've never seen somebody move it from two to three, but uh, these two teams are miles apart. Miles apart. They're done. They're dead as disco. Uh, they're going to have to rebound 20 years later and become popular again. Uh, I think Carroll's gone. Wilson, Wilson's definitely gone. And I don't know why Carroll would stick around. Uh, they they just blew out their tire on national TV. That's all they had. That's all they had. You saw it last Monday night. So I know uh, San Francisco's a little short. Um, they, they should win. They should win this game by a, a touchdown. They really should. Yeah, well, you just mentioned Monday night, and we can jump from this Sunday afternoon game to the Monday nighter because on our Tuesday show, we broke down Denver, Kansas City on Sunday night. So you can uh, check that out for a breakdown, uh, Chris and I on Denver plus the 10. As far as Monday night football is concerned, New England traveling to Buffalo, big AFC East showdown. Currently, BetUS has the Bills laying two and a half with minus 115 juice attached to that number, total 42 and a half. Chris, tell us what side you're on in this one. Uh, regular viewers, probably not going to be too surprised. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Bob loves Abishola's on Mondays, so I'd probably watch that instead. Uh, but no, I'm just kidding. Boy, <laughs> we're looking forward game. to yeah. this game. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, we're really, are, are, did I hear right? Or we, yeah. So uh, how can we not look forward to this game? This is like the uh, the perfect, perfect matchup. Both of these teams are so similar. They both played weak schedules. They both, uh, uh, you know, are, are you know, at one point or another, have been looked at as you know just on fire. New England is the freight train right now. Yeah, you, you can't step in front of the bus at this point. Uh, if you look at what the Patriots are going to do in this game. Uh, and we might have bad weather. Uh, take a note, there's 20, 21 mile an hour winds. It's going to be 25 degrees. And that favors the Patriots, if you ask me. Uh, the, the Bills have lost their best defensive player in white. He's gone. And, you know, the, the, there's a drop off after him. What the Colts did to Buffalo, the Patriots should be able to do to Buffalo. The Patriots are going to beat the crap out of them. And by the second half, they're going to be rolling through them. They, I, I just don't see it any other way. Buffalo's a finesse team, and they don't have they aren't they were built to compete with Kansas City. They weren't built to face off against teams that are rough and tumble. And I'm not, you know, I realize this, and they, they both have the similar schedules, so you you know you can't argue either of that. 
Yeah, well, Chris, you mentioned a lot of the handicapping points that have me in play on the Patriots as well. One thing I'll say at the current number, I'm looking to use New England in a teaser with Minnesota, a six-point teaser getting the Patriots up through the three and the seven, while we can take the Vikings down through the seven and three. And this is another game where I'll mention, not again to brag about a number that's gone, but I think there's some value to be had here if I can articulate this right. I took the Patriots plus three and a half on a look-ahead line last week, and what I think is valuable there is that we've seen the Patriots, also the Eagles throughout the whole season, some of these teams consistently getting steamed week in and week out. So when you're looking to play one of them, you probably want to do so as early as possible. And uh, if you're not betting a ton, then look ahead lines can be your ticket to get the best value. Oftentimes these come out like the Tuesday prior to the next Sunday, so we can get about 12 days of lead time. And that, to me, was the time to try to get in play on the Patriots here. Again, at the current number, still definitely like them as a teaser candidate. And I think the Patriots are in two different ways, kind of the, the NFL's money ball team, kind of like the Oakland A's in baseball. Uh, in one sense, improving over the arc of the season. I know Billy Bean was famous for that with you know how he runs the A's and the Patriots. Now, Mac Jones just getting it together, improving seemingly each week. Uh, the defense really figuring things out. The offensive line getting healthier. Just seeing the way that Belichick and this team are navigating the arc of the season, really impressive. And another way the Patriots are a money ball team is zigging where everybody else is zagging. The NFL now so predicated offensively on big explosive plays through the passing game and the Patriots just so efficient and physical with the ground game. So it's a tough matchup for a Bills team that was really constructed to beat the Chiefs. And now they're getting, you know, a Patriots team that matches up really well with them with that physicality in the ground game. Chris, you touched on how those elements could favor the Patriots in this one. Uh, you also mentioned White being out for Buffalo. Uh, it's certainly a factor I think favors New England. My last thing here, um, one more tidbit from SH8 model. He's mentioned that the Bills' strength of schedule this year, if we look at it, the average offense equates to roughly the quality of the Steelers. The average defense they've faced, roughly the quality of the Falcons. Certainly a step up in class when you look at New England on both sides of the ball through that prism. So... Definitely looking for New England to give yet another impressive performance on Monday night. Scott, what are you looking for in this one? Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game. Um, I bet on both these teams. I like both these teams. Uh, surprisingly, I actually have a little bit of value on Buffalo in this game, but I'm not betting it. I was just trying to look here, too. Uh, I'm pretty sure here um, that there's probably going to be snow in this game, I believe, as well. Uh, which is going to be great. Uh, I mean, it's going to be just, it, it's already a big time game. Then you get some snow and weather elements, which I think will be great. Um, I like both these teams. Both these teams for me are in the top 10 uh, or 11 in both run and pass and offense. And they're both in the top 10 in running pass on defense. Um, to Chris's point though, and I think he's spot on on this, is that Buffalo is a finesse team. And I think it's kind of funny because it was, you know, only a few years ago where Buffalo was known to, for running the ball and playing great defense, uh, and they could not throw the ball uh, if their life depended on it. And that they flipped that, obviously, because of Josh Allen. And, I, you know, I guess one thing I'll say is Josh Allen is made for these elements. He played in Wyoming. Uh, if it's windy, he certainly has arm strength to take care of that uh, and get through some of that, probably more so than Mac Jones. But Buffalo's not really a running team, even though my, my running numbers support that. But I think a lot of that, I have to go back and verify this, is probably a little bit of that with Josh Allen doing some stuff with his legs as well, which probably doesn't happen in this game potentially as well. So um, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, 
and you guys pointed this out, I've seen a lot of people support in Buffalo saying that New England has gotten very lucky recently. They played Tennessee without uh, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, no Derrick Henry. They played Atlanta, who had nobody playing, blah, blah, blah. They've had this great run of luck uh, against these teams they played. Uh, but Buffalo's had a very easy schedule as well. Buffalo's lost to the good teams they played. New England's lost to the good teams they played. Both teams could have won those games against the good teams they played. So I don't. The people that are saying New England's gotten very lucky here with their schedule recently, I, I don't think that's accurate at all. I think Buffalo's just as lucky uh, and has played, you know, just as easy at teams, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, nothing for me. A little bit of value on Buffalo, but I like the matchup more so with New England. I'm just going to sit back and watch the game and enjoy it. Yeah, should be a really good one to watch, perhaps saving the best game for last in Week 13. And that takes us to the end of our Week 13 breakdown, so we can look at some of our best bets for the week. We do have some consensus, Chris and I both taking 10 points with Denver. Uh, Chris and Scott going head-to-head with the 49ers Seahawks game. Chris laying 3.5 at even money. Scott taking the 3.5 with Seattle. And, uh, of course, it looks like teasing season might be back in full swing. Minnesota and Arizona, um, all teaser candidates for us. And as we look at this graphic, Chris, I know uh, with you joining us through the phone, I'll read down your bets. And then if you just want to speak to your best bet for the week, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, we've got you down for Cincy minus 3, Denver plus 10, Vikings in a teaser down to minus 1, paired with Arizona minus 2.5. Also laying 10 with the Colts, laying four and a half with the Ravens, laying three and a half with the Niners, and taking two and a half with New England. Of those bets, anything stand out as your favorite one of the week? Well, there's no excuse for not getting a three on San Francisco, by the way. So uh, just for the show purposes, I, I just want to remind people to get that three. But uh, I like I like New England. Uh, you know, anything can happen. And, and uh, uh I'm 7-0 and on New England games, betting on them or against them. So I've had a good uh, pulse on New England games. I'd be dead in the water if it wasn't for them and char- the Charger games. Uh, so I, 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 I think that they're good. I really do. And I think Buffalo is, you know, fall- is having some cracks. So I, I like New England the best. Yeah, I think given the plus three with the Patriots, I would probably make that my best bet as well. Although the Niners minus three, a very strong candidate as well. As it is, uh, I'll go ahead and say that Denver plus 10, my favorite bet on the board right now. Also a couple of teasers for me, um, a two-teamer Minnesota down to minus one and a half paired with New England plus eight and a half. And then a two-teamer good up to minus 130 if you have to lay six and a half points, uh, or you could possibly shop around and find this for minus 120 on a standard Six-point teaser, Arizona down to minus two and a half, paired with Washington plus seven and a half. Scott, why don't you walk us through your card this week and the bet that stands out as your best on the board? Yeah, we're going to go with uh, Minnesota team total, total over 27 and a half. Also going to take the Tampa Bay team total over 31. We're going to take Seattle plus three and a half going, uh, as you said, Matt, head-to-head with uh, Chris on that one. Just plain value there. And then a uh, or value in my mind. Um, and then we're doing a two-team <laughs> teaser, uh, Minnesota minus one, Arizona minus two and a half. I'd say both team totals on the over 27 and a half for Minnesota and over 31 for Tampa Bay. I like it. Um, these are two teams, both playing indoors, so uh, weather elements are not going to factor in at all. Uh, and both these teams have a history of being in this position uh, indoors uh, in these roles of scoring a lot of points 
going into great detail. Tampa's averaged 38 points in this role. Uh, and Minnesota has scored 27 or more in all eight of their games as a road favorite against poor teams. Uh, and I know it's 27 and a half here, but I think we've got value on the over team total, team total over on both these games. Well, there you have it, our week 13 breakdown. If you're with us on YouTube, make sure to give us a quick thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Thanks for tuning in. Best of luck with your action this weekend. We'll be back with you live on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific with our early look at week 14. And we'll see you then right back here at BetUS where the game begins.